This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Welcome back to the island. This is episode 20 of Previously on Lost, and we are going to be looking at the episode The Greater Good. We are almost done with season one. We have we are we are coming toward the end of season one. We are born to run toward the end. Of course, that's next week, so I should say save that joke for next week. Um, but uh, I cannot do this on my own as we talk about this awesome show. So I have with me, uh, or, or I'm Mike, but I also have with me Corey. How's it going? Doing great. I can't believe we've uh, gone this far already. So it's all for the greater good. It's all for the greater good, like Boone's death. Steven, how are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> far, far better than Boone, but uh, I'm doing all right. doing better than Boone right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good. No, so we just kind of want to give you just a little bit of a heads up about how we're going to do this. So we're going to do it just like the show has got it split up. Uh, we're going to, next time we record, we're going to record Born to Run. And then we're going to do Exodus Part 1, and then we're going to do Exodus Part 2. Just because Exodus Part 2 is a longer episode, uh, we're going to kind of keep that separate. Um, but that, there's really not any show or any kind of like network announcements or anything like that, except for, man, it's been great. But we're going to go ahead and get on to the episode then. And uh, so we're going to talk a look at episode The Greater Good. So previously on Lost... Saeed and Kate and Boone make a plan to triangulate the source of Rousseau's distress signal. Before he can finish, however, Saeed is attacked from behind and knocked unconscious. Boone then uses a radio inside the crashed beechcraft to send out a message, but the plane falls to the ground. Locke carries him back to the caves, be treated, and disappears before Jack can ask him what happened. Jack tries desperately to save Boone's life, but he dies, imparting to Jack something about a hatch and the plane he found. Jack approaches Shannon after she returns from a picnic with Saeed and tells her the news. And then we have the issue of Jack telling Kate that he is leaving to find Locke. Dum, dum, dum. All right. This is season one, episode 21 of Lost that originally aired May 4th, 2005. Directed by David Grossman. You. And uh, did, you writ- get that? did you get that? Steven, did you get that? May the fourth be with you. Oh yes, I didn't. May the fourth. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> you know, I don't think that was a thing back in 2005. We hadn't put that put those no, dates together. That was like, no, that was everybody still crapping on Attack of the Clones. Oh yeah, yeah, that really that dragged on <laughs> that, for quite a while. That, that's what it was. You're breaking my heart, Anik. Wait, that's the last. <laughs> You're going down a path I cannot follow. <laughs> Oh and those oh those actors Sorry, were not Steve, given we they were not given enough to work with I, ha- I have to say that is Listen, something Natalie Natalie Portman to me can play in any movie she wants <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah she's fantastic but we're but this is not a Natalie Portman podcast this is a lost <laughs> podcast so Steven go ahead and continue on 
All right. Um, this episode was uh, written by Leonard Dick. With news of Boone's death sweeping the camp, Shannon decides to go after Locke, whom she blames for the tragedy. Flashbacks focus on Saeed's time in Australia. Could you really blame her for blaming? I mean, could you blame her for blaming, uh, uh, you know, Locke? I mean, come on. <laughs> Gosh, I've had a funeral with a bloody shirt, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. Go ahead. Go yeah, yeah, Locke really doesn't have a, a great PR firm working for him. Uh, no. You know, his lawyer, if he had a lawyer, he'd probably say, all right, take off the bloody shirt, just show up, don't say anything at the funeral. But instead, he goes in, still with the blood on him, really just sets himself up. Um, but before we get into all that, I have some episode factoids, facts here. First of all, <clears throat> An apparent continuity error arises when Shannon is uh, shown to know the location and purpose of the Halbert Ace Key when only Kate, Locke, and Jack around her neck was kept had been shown to have this knowledge before. It is not until Season 3's episode, Expose, Mike's favorite episode. Uh, Absolutely, 100%. That we, find, that we find out the reason, uh, which is... Kate had earlier let this information slip when defending uh, measures taken to secure the gun. So just some sort of random flashback and strangest of all lost episodes. And, you know, they fix a plot hole years before. Very interesting. Uh, and then another fact here, the Sydney Opera House is briefly seen in the background when Saeed and Assam are playing soccer, which when you look at that scene, when once you know that pretty much everything is filmed Honolulu, even all the scenes, it so clearly looks like, uh, you know, Hawaii. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. And they just draft, you know, add in. This is the soccer. This, this is a beautiful, beautiful soccer field. Oh yeah, why they add mm -hmm. in the, the opera house back there? Yeah, they do a good job. They look shit. They do. It's a, it's a good, do. so good, quick way to let you know where they're at. Yeah, so while we're talking about that, let's go ahead then, and as we talk about discuss the episode a little bit, because um, I'm trying to figure out if I'm the only one who had this on here. Um, I, I, I may have, so let's talk a little bit about the flashback then. So the whole flashback is Saeed gets wrapped up with the CIA. We see him in handcuffs at the airport. He gets wrapped up with the CIA. They need him to do something for him. Um, he ends up meeting Assam again. And we have this whole, uh, do we use the word terrorism plot or do we use the word, you know, uh, I mean, would it, would it be considered terrorism plot? Yeah, I think, think it would. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. that's so, the right, right So So close to 2001 when September 11th happened. Now you're in 2005. It's only four years. It doesn't seem like a long time, but four years is still kind of fresh in people's mind. So... How risky do you think it was for them to put a an Iraqi, former Iraqi Republican Guard, and other Iraqis in a situation in the show, in a terrorism plot four years after September 11th? I I feel like what they did in a lot of cases was they they took they took a character that would typically be st a stereotypical character uh, 
and they kind of tried to subvert what you expect from that. So, I mean, you think an Iraqi, you know, Republican Guard um, person, you don't expect to be really likable and, you know, to be someone you root for. So I, I think while choosing the, that character to be involved, you know, in a terrorism plot is, you know, in, in hindsight, you know, kind of questionable, I think what they were going for is to really try to make you see this person you know, in a different way, you know, rather than just, you know, a stereotypical way you would think of, you know, especially back then, so close to 9-11. Okay. Yeah, I think I think this episode really does a good job of staying true to the, the themes, the overall themes of, of the whole show, and that is, like, zooming in on on humanity and the, the mistakes and the redemptive quality of, of all humanity and uh, you know, because it's basically lost just shows all these people that are screwed up in different walks of life. And they take on probably the maybe the most controversial uh, possible uh, type of person that you could actually air on TV. There's, there's probably worse situations, but, but terrorism and, and kind of mass killings, you know, this, this is a, a really testy subject, and they managed to to portray at least this one guy as you know someone that you can sympathize with because the heartbreaking moment of the episode is when I think it's actually around that soccer scene that I was talking about when he says he doesn't think he can go through with it because he thinks innocent lives are going to be killed wasted yeah, it's uh, it's intense that that Saeed is forced to talk him into it. I mean, that's just messed up. Right. I mean, it's 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 that's tough because he talks him into it, and then right when he's about to stop him, you know, he 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 confesses that he's working for the CIA, and I mean, Assam's reaction in that moment was a genuine reaction to somebody who, you know, I was scared to death to do this, but you talked me into it, and now you're telling me to not to do it. I mean, that was a genuine... Now, when I first saw the show, I didn't know he was going to, you know, pull a gun and shoot and shoot himself, obviously. But, um, man, that's, that's tough because, you know, he couldn't go back to, what, his father and say, hey, I just couldn't do it. Because then his, you know, then then his father would disown him. So I mean, in his mind, he had no way out. The, 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 this was it. He had already committed to to you know, to you know, killing himself in the plot. And now Saeed's telling him, no, 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 you don't have to. We can go away. Go ahead, you know, run, get away for ten minutes, and then I'll call the, the you know the authorities. I'm like that. You, you ruin it by pushing him toward it. So. It was a, it was a tough background story even today watching it and thinking back of when it was done and when it was written I'm I, I can't think man this is a tough storyline to swallow especially back then because you had a lot of people who were still angry and upset about what was, about stuff that was happening so anyways that was just kind of one episode moment I mean it kind of took up the whole you know backstory yeah and but uh, and I think a lot of what this episode shows us is like how you know, people are capable of horrible things, and uh, we like to classify in, in movies and TV, you know, people who do horrible crimes as just you know, 
just pure evil and people do evil things and clearly some people are evil in some ways but uh it this episode shows you know but just a, a person horrible things if, if they their path leads them there you know their own choices but but uh and, and i think it's supposed to reflect back on saeed and other characters and how they've had you know different opportunities to make a right choice or a wrong choice and you like think about a character like ben uh ben linus man like he done some horrible things too and he's given a redemptive arc and so it, it very much fits into the, the complicated uh, themes of the whole series yeah but definitely a yeah. hot hot button issue 2005 you know i was a kid when this was going on so i don't think i really when i watched this episode you know i probably was more concerned with with the hatch uh than the the uh type of of, of uh, not a state but the the guts it takes to reflect on subject matter like that i think i was a junior i was a junior in high school um when this episode aired so i think i was 13 I as a junior <laughs> of course i didn't see it as a junior in high school but <laughs> i saw it years later on dvd uh, well, anything else? What, what other uh, what other like, moment kind of really jumped out at you um, in this in this episode? I know we all probably have like the one big moment, but what what uh, what kind of moment really stood out to you guys? Well, one thing I thought maybe we, you know while we're still in the flashback story, um, I thought it was interesting how it was actually Saeed's. You know, so a lot of people have been led to the island directly by things out of their control. But here, Saeed made a decision, you know. He he could have been on a different plane, um, you know, going to, to find Nadia, but he chose to stay behind and, you know, cl- claim the body so he could be buried in a way that, you know, he showed, he's shown throughout this first season that, that you know, he, that's important to Saeed. You know, he was worried about whether they should burn the bodies of the people in the plane. But it was actually his decision to not take the first plane, and that's what ended up getting him on flight eight fifteen. And it seems like a lot of, and a lot of the other characters' backstories, it's you know it's kind of been things you know out of their control. Or Claire was specifically told it had to be this flight, this and there. This I thought it was interesting that Saeed kind of put himself in that situation. Obviously, not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah, I never th- I never thought about that, but you, you got a good point. Yeah, I thought this was a really cool uh, explanation for how he ended up on eight. Because we get these kind of peppered throughout the season, and some of them are, are you know, a little silly, like, oh, what a coincidence. And this one was, it was just kind of a cool moment. And this is one of the, the last ones they, you know, we've, I think we've kind of seen or heard all the reasons why everybody ended up on the plane already or at least at least pretty much everyone but this one was was interesting the hand of fate that led saeed to the island so hmm. this is i mean when you watch this episode i just have to say it changes the whole way you think of saeed on 
you know, with his experience on the island. Because before you see him on the plane, he's got the pictures of Nadia, and you think, okay, like, he's on his way to try to find Nadia, and you're not really sure, like, what Saeed did, like, after his stint in the army, and some of these other scenarios we see in the flashbacks, and then you learn that he had to convince his friend try to blow people up, then watch the guy like, that's intense, like, that's yeah. that's hard for Saeed to deal with while he's on the island but it actually really relates to the on island story as well as far as dealing with tragedy right because and he is still dealing with with the death of his friend i mean it's 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 still pretty fresh i mean it's only what a month old by the time this episode airs so you know you know he because who was it? Uh, Locke said we've been on this island for about a month now. So if so, if you think about it, Assam's death was only a month earlier. Yeah, and it. And then we also have Boone, who died, what, what like a, a day before this, this episode, the events right. of this episode happened. So, and really, the whole whole episode, Saeed is the only one who is able to completely clear-headed and that's why this is his episode and this is following him because jack Kate, shannon and Locke, they're all just reactionary and lying or they're accusing and nobody can control the trap but saeed is able to because he's dealt with tragedy dealt with horrible things that you see hear about or be a part of he's able to process and not lose his cool yeah, and ultimately yeah. he he makes a decision that, um, you know, takes that conceivably takes him away from, you know, a, a person while new in his life, but a person that he does care about. Um, whereas you know, bef- a month before he made a different decision, you know, to try to get back to another you know female he cared about. So, I I think there's a little bit of personal growth there that. You know, he didn't make the same decision this time. He he sacrificed his relationship with Shannon, possibly, in order to do the right thing, um, rather than the way he got forced to do otherwise. Yeah, and I think this whole episode is an example of how the the destiny of the island, if you want to call it whatever, the, the impact of the island on survivors can be a great thing like this has pushed Saeed into this different leadership role and he's growing as a person he's leaving some of these things behind uh, some of them will creep back into his story later on tragically uh, in later seasons but at this point Saeed is becoming this, this person that he really wasn't given the opportunity to be in his previous life because this situation he was thrown into. It's always seemingly under bad leadership, bad authority, and forced to do bad things. And this is a little bit of his redemption. Of and it's and it's interesting that he redeemed himself a little bit by saving Locke and you know it kind of damns himself as far as his relationship with with Shannon, but he saves Locke. And he has to do it right after Locke reveals that Locke, you know, they lied to say Andy's betrayed him in a couple different ways. Yeah. 
Yeah, so 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 then let's talk about that real quick. So we have we have three big scenes I think that we have between Said and Locke. We have this scene where Said's interrogating him and Locke knows it. <laughs> and um Locke pretty much says, you know, you're really good at your job <laughs> and we know he's he's interrogating him and then we have Locke's revelation to Said at the plane that hey, I'm the one who hit you in the back of the head. And then you have the end where Saeed goes to Locke at the end of the episode and says, hey, look, the only reason I saved you is because I think you are the best chance to survive on this island. So we have this this, um, <clears throat> this easy interrogation, and then you have the moment where Saeed wants to kill Locke <laughs> for hitting him in the back of the head. And then you have the moment where Saeed realizes, you know what, if the only guy that's going to survive is going to be Locke, Locke, I think you're right. So what did you think about these interactions between these two? Because I personally thought that it was a great, like Kenneth Steven said earlier, a good character growth of Saeed to realize who he needs to rely on. And I think this whole thing really builds Saeed up for later seasons to be the leader that he needs to be um, around with Jack and, and Sawyer. Of course, obviously Sawyer steps up here after a while as well. What did you guys think well, of their interactions? And well, stuff? first of all, I found it, slightly annoying how terry o'quinn has a cold during this whole episode anybody else pick up on that yeah his voice is just like oddly like so different but i, yep. I guess if you really want to find an explanation you could say well he was up all night pounding on the hatch yelling in the rain he got a cold i did everything you wanted <laughs> i did everything you wanted yeah he lost his voice <laughs> but yeah that bothers me a little bit uh listening to it but so there's there's that and but uh, as far as the conversation i love the conversation at the plane and my question for you guys is uh was john right about hitting saeed in the head especially after his explanation of, of why he did it was he was he right in retrospect not necessarily was he right whenever it happened you know we were watching it episodes ago so I think, I, I think yes and no. So the reason I say that is because I think originally it was done out of selfish motivation, selfish reasons, because Locke knew if he got rescued, he didn't know what would happen with his legs yeah, if he had left yeah. the island. So I think that that's a selfish reason. But I think no because um, – or I think yes because he, he was right. He said if you were right that that, that – that, message has been playing for what 18 years on a loop what makes you think that your message is going to go out further than it so he had a he, he had a point he said what 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 makes you think that, that yours is going to be of any better value if that same wasn't playing for 18 years and nobody's nobody's answered the call to it yeah and i, I think Locke can conveniently rewrite history and say this is why he did it but we're not sure for certain, we you know what his original reasons were, but I, but I think they were probably more selfish than he letting on. But I definitely oh, yeah. agree with you that if you look at it and you think about it, especially now that we're spoiler free, we can discuss this whole thing. You think about uh, the radio tower, which is where it would come in from. Now there are some. There's a lot of fan maps that have people that have constructed maps from from screen grabs, everything. But basically, the general uh, accepted ideas that the the radio tower is somewhere near the middle of the island. Not they wouldn't have to cross the others like you know, New Otherton 
town or whatever, but it is a lot closer and it's like more into it's more in the other's territory. And I think you go through the dark territory. So they definitely would have been crossing the path of the smoke monster. They definitely would have been entering in an area much closer to all the others. So I, I think you could reasonably say that people would have died. Yeah. But at, at the same time, I mean, if he's going to knock Saeed out, he didn't have to destroy the the receiver. You know, he could have taken it and hidden it somewhere, you know, so that later when they were thinking rationally, if, that, if that's the excuse he wants to use, that, you know, Saeed could have used some of the parts from it for something else. I, and I, I definitely think that uh, that his reasoning was to keep everybody from getting off the island. Um, so yeah, no, I, I definitely think he was incorrect in, in his decision. But yeah, he does do a good job of explaining it to Saeed. You know, he's a pretty good talker. Yeah. But so and Locke what is, did you guys go so ahead? He, he's also very political in that when when Saeed accuses him of of lying, or he he asks him, "Why did you lie?" Locke doesn't actually answer it he just goes into well did you know i did this too and just you know he's just gonna double down on his his deceit you know a classic politician i don't need to admit i was wrong i will just i will just tell you this other nugget to distract you and uh, make you trust me by telling you about my other lies it's very it's very interesting uh if I if I give you my gun, will you trust me? No. <laughs> what you've done is you have you, you have you have established s- s- something going on. But yeah, I, I just yeah, I thought it was uh, well, I thought it was good. What, well, what I like, Saeed, um, go ahead. What I like about this show, there's so many good characters, and there's so many different ways to mix and match the characters that I don't think we've gotten a lot of just Saeed and Locke. Um, you know, without a lot of other people around. So I thought this was really kind of cool because both of the characters, both of these characters are used to being in charge, used of, used to being in control of the situation. And, uh, you know, they both kind of were facing, a, you know, a, a worthwhile adversary. You know, Locke's a pretty good liar and Saeed's a pretty good uh, judge of the truth. So I, I just thought it was a... You know, a lot of really good interactions between those two where, you know, you're wondering, is Saeed believing his lies? Is he not? And then that nice twist at the end where you find out, no, he didn't believe the lie about the hatch. You know, when he when Saeed comes back and says, no more lies. Take me to the hatch. Yeah, it's a little bit of a chess match. And I think you're right. Usually Locke is able to use his eloquent speech. Or, or he can just babble on about faith and like drop some interesting reference to Michelangelo or, or something and people get right. swooned by him. But Saeed sees right through Not it. Saeed. But Saeed also has like this little bit of a respect for, for Locke's uh, ability to, to lie about stuff or, or, or kind of guide the conversation. So it's, it's a fun back and forth and you can tell clearly Locke is a little on edge. And at first Saeed credits him for being adaptable but then the whole explanation of the hatch, like I feel like Locke really blew it there. He's like, "Oh, there's a hatch on a plane." But no, that didn't. Work. No. Uh, what other uh, episode moments though did uh, did y'all have that you kind of just uh, kind of stood out here on this one? Um, well, 
Well, one funny thing, I thought this is not really much of a moment, but the very beginning of the episode, uh, who is it that's consoling? At funeral. <laughs> no. Well, no, but even before the funeral. Is it, is no, it you son said funny episode, that's, funny part, uh, so I just said Boone's funeral. Somebody is consoling Shannon, and I think it's son. She says, yeah, Boone, Boone didn't want his leg to be amputated. He wanted just, just going to let himself die because he didn't want to use any of the antibiotics or the painkillers or something. I'm like that is not at all what happened in the previous episode. He just said he was done. He, so that 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 was oh, yeah. Saeed telling Shannon what Son had told him about how how it went down. Okay, a little that was son, game of telephone. That was Son trying to be easy on Shannon, try to make him see, to try to make him go 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 out, Boone go out like a hero. I think Boone was was delirious, and he's just like, dude, don't cut my leg off. That's not the last <laughs> moment. I want to have in life my leg be dropped off. Please well, now, no. He was right, but right when Jack was about to chop the leg off, though, he did mention don't do it because you know you and I both know it won't work. So he 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 did say that right before he's about to chop his leg off. Yeah, it's true, but I, I guess my point is he doesn't actually mention the drugs, but maybe maybe the, maybe it's kind of implied. Yeah. Okay, that was yeah. that was just a little moment. My other moment was uh, I love the uh, return of Crazy Jack, uh, <laughs> and they really went all out. You know, the makeup—he looks like he's half dead. You know, because he's, he's given all he this really blood. He really does. He's so pale oh my and everything. Gosh. Like his look—he's got looks like he hasn't slept. He's drenched in sweat, and it's just like whenever Locke shows up, Locke <laughs> must. He's like a zombie, you know. He's just like remember, remember how brain. how fun loving Jack was a couple episodes ago. You know, kind of giving Sawyer a hard oh, time, yeah. and then as soon as Boone or as soon as Locke carried carried Boone in, it's it's been all downhill for Jack since there. Oh my God, well, I I feel like Locke or not Locke. I feel like Jack has this kind of like crazy state he goes into like two or three times a season where he has like no sleep, and Kate's like. Jack, get some rest. No, I won't do it. And he just kind of goes insane. He was like, he, uh, White Rabbit fine, at I'll the beginning you. of the season. Fine I'll, fine, I'll drug you so you go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that was that was interesting. <laughs> but yeah, and then he just, and then he, okay, so I need to find out, we need to find out how in the world, I can't remember if we find out an expose, but we need him, we need, I can't remember, how does Shannon sneak in, if Kate is sitting there watching Jack, how does Shannon sneak in and take the necklace off of his neck with the key without him even feeling it? I don't think Kate did. I don't think Kate was there the whole time. I think she knocked him out and then she went and did some Kate things. Probably went and picked some fruit and, you know, went and talked to Sawyer for a little while. And then she came back thinking everything was fine. And, and I, I, don't, I don't think she was watching, keeping watch over him very well. I don't know, but, but so you, you mentioned, um, you mentioned Jack going all crazy on, on Locke. I thought it was interesting that like the end of the episode, normally Jack jumps in for anybody that gets injured or anybody gets hurt. But right after Saeed tackles Shannon and the bullet grazes Locke's head, Jack just sits there and stares at him and just turns around and just walks away. Like, I'm not helping you in this one, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. There's a really interesting 
you know, kind of a sub scene going on in that that scene. You know, the main the main part of the scene is like is Locke going to get shot by Shannon, but you also see a few glances that Locke and Jack exchange with each other. Like Locke is standing there with the gun, you know, pointed at him, and he looks at he gives Jack this look like, "Look what you've done. This is this is what you, the, your paranoia." Has caused, you know, you accused me of this, and now I'm going to die. And then, yeah, Jack does not put any effort in save. No, it, it 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 is funny that it is funny that Shannon tries to go kill Locke in the middle of the rainstorm, and then Shannon gets killed by a gun in the middle of a rainstorm. Have you noticed, by the way, that it seems like after when there's like a very serious moment, and it's like a battle of life and death, and it's so far out of season one, it's always been a rainstorm. And they're in the jungle. You know, you had the whole thing with Jack and Ethan, uh, and Charlie and Ethan, and now you have Shannon and Locke. And then later on next season, you're going to have Anna Lucia and killing Shannon in the middle of the rain. And it's very interesting how these things happen. You know, I I really think I just picked up on a chain of karma, just like right now in my head. Because don't go to the woods when it's raining, and well, if you're if you're on the island, no, not just not the rain actually, but. Shannon was going to kill Locke in cold blood. She pulls the trigger to do it. Doesn't work. Uh, but then she gets killed by Anna Lucia in the rain in cold blood instead. So, like, that's kind of the island paying her back. And then Anna Lucia gets shot by Michael in cold blood, uh, kind of as payback for killing Shannon. And then Michael gets... Michael shoots Libby. Well, yeah, that too. But then Michael gets blown up on the boat by... Well, I guess it's just the bomb. But Christian Shepard shows up there as the man in black. Then the man in black gets killed. So there's this, there's this line of uh, anybody who tried to kill someone... is gonna, Somebody's going to kill you. Just got to be careful. So in other words, what we're hearing is don't go into the woods during a rainstorm. And don't go get blankets for a picnic in the hatch later on, because you're probably can we connect Michael to to Locke in just a series of bullets, kind of like the seven degrees, six degrees of Kevin Bacon, the the six bullets of (laughs) (laughs) yes, separation. That's funny. Oh, that's good. That's good. Oh. So we have the big thing where Locke shows up at the funeral. Everybody, you know, Saeed's giving like this really. This is be honest. This really terrible. Really terrible. I thought he did a. Per- I thought he did a pretty good oh job. I knew, considering. <laughs> it was terrible. Okay. It's... He said, "I knew a guy. He saved a girl one day." Okay. You and, you never start a eulogy by saying, "I didn't know this person very well." <laughs> it's just like, I shouldn't be talking, but I'm the only one. I didn't know Boone very well. Oh, that's and, funny. But. But this is my centric episode, so I should be the one to speak up. But and then he goes on to say, "But you know what? Boone tried to save a woman who's drowning, and her name was Joanne. But then she drowned anyways, and really, uh, she wasn't saved because Jack had to save me. You know, Jack had to save Boone, and that's why the lady drowned. Because, but, 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 but he had courage through it all. He, I was Boone will always be known for his courage. And I'm like." Okay, cool. <laughs> so it was I thought, given the situation, <laughs> you know, previous funerals, they've just kind of read things out of people's wallets. So, I mean, I thought he he did the best he could here, since nobody else was speaking up. 
I I must I must say, Stephen, that I do love. Yes, the it was the Boonerol. The Boonerol. The re- it's the Boonerol because <laughs> that's the name of the music. That's what Giacchino called called the music on the season one soundtrack. It was called the Boonerol. That's awesome. I, I am definitely right now putting that into Discord. Well, um, I will say, uh, you know, I I didn't really like Saeed's eulogy, but I I would say the funeral or the funeral was was touching and moving despite the eulogy. It was like you know the Shannon not being able to say anything and Jack not really being able to say anything. It was a very touching moment, and then Saeed said a couple things that, whatever, and, were fine. Lock said, showing this up. This was oh, kind man. of a crazy funeral. Great you moment. know, it's not every funeral where you get somebody showing up with the blood of the deceased on their shirt. It's not every episode where you get, you know, Jack attacking somebody at the funeral. It was really, you know, if you're just one of the background extras on this show, you know, I mean. You know, that gives you a good story to tell later when you're sitting around the campfire. It's like a ultra serious dramatic dramatic <laughs> moment or maybe an SNL skit. Why 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 do you even why do you even show up at a funeral if you're the one who killed this guy? You know everybody's gonna be there. You know Jack is gonna be ticked off at you for doing this. And then you show up at the funeral because it's Locke. <laughs> Boone was a good man, you know. Where you know, you, you know, you got his blood all over your shirt. He was a good man. He was trying to help us all. And then right after that, he goes and he sits down and he starts trying to talk to Shannon on the beach. Bring Shannon the bag and sits down and is like, you know, and 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 it's okay, Boone. But Boone did a lot of good stuff to try to help us. And I'm like. Dude, no. That was the moment, like, when she started to cry and she looked over at him. That's the moment you said, oh, crap, she wants him dead right there. Like, that's when the flip, that, that's when the switch flips to me in my mind. Well, I, I, I'll come to Locke's defense here, and here's my theory. I think that Locke was not really going to show up at the funeral. He was going to hide behind that tree the whole time. But he was he was hiding there just listening and he heard that Saeed was totally blowing the eulogy and he's like, all right, yes. nobody's going to do this. I guess I have to step up and be the yes. one because frankly, even though he's covered in blood, he did give a better eulogy than anybody else. He actually had experiences with Boone and he didn't just talk about the time where he failed to save a woman drowning. Yet, even though it's misguided, his, his speech I think it's coming from the heart where he says Boone was trying to help us and all that stuff. You know, it's a good scene. It's a good scene in that if you're if you're a lock defender and in in if you're on team lock, you can totally come to his defense based on what he says. But if you're on like team Jack and you think he's horrible, uh, you know, it gives you plenty of, of ammo to angry lock. The writers do a yeah. good job of that. And you can you can I can identify that now, but when I first watched it, I think I was definitely you know really hard on Team Lock. How how could they be so bold to accuse him? It wasn't his yeah kind of kind of is. Well, I only have like one more thing on mine, but uh, do you well, have anything else? We uh, we haven't talked about the um, the whole side plot of 
Charlie babysitting um, baby Huey. Um, yep. It, you know, I thought it was kind of kind of a yep. nice. <laughs> it's not baby Huey. It's turnip head. It's. Turn- <laughs> um, yes, turnip head. Yeah, kind of a nice little tie-in. Oh, with, that's funny. You know, Kate thinks Jack needs rest. Charlie needs thinks Claire needs rest. You know, Kate take. Kate takes one method of she does. you know drugging him, and Charlie and Son probably do a better job of convincing Claire to to take the rest she needs, and it leads to as I said, this loss is often at its best when it's being kind of lighthearted and fun, and just Hurley and Charlie trying to get the baby to stop crying, and the only thing that works is. Um, Sawyer's voice. <laughs> I mean, that is just—it's classic. A it's classic. Magazine. Lost. It's hilarious. He's got the ridiculous glasses. He's reading the car magazine. You got. <laughs> I liked when Hurley was following. Like when Sawyer was like, "Stop! Stop! Holding you know, the stop baby coming up. after me!" Yeah. He's like following, like and like holding the baby up toward toward Sawyer as he's walking behind Sawyer. After, Sawyer's just trying to run away after Hurley's that Hurley's was attempt, uh, which completely failed. What, what are they saying? Uh, I fe- the I feel good song, which you know the big guns didn't work. Didn't work this time for him. It must have must have calmed the baby one time for him, but. Did not work with turnip head. Yeah, I love how <laughs> how horribly that failed because you, you really believe that that Hurley it's gonna is, work. Yeah, it's gonna work. He has some magic, and as soon as he starts, you're like, "This is horrible." No, no baby would respond well to this. I like how Sawyer has been reading all this classic literature and like really interesting stuff, but then. The time where he's going to read stories out loud. I mean, the baby doesn't understand, but the other people can listen. He's reading like facts on you know, muscle cars or whatever. Yeah, I see. Like this is a time Not he could have busted book. out Watership Down or something. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, entertain Charlie and himself okay. at least. Water, Watership that was Down. That's such one a of his many book. books. He's he has <laughs> access <buddies>. to. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, that was the only other thing I had on my list, really. Uh, kind of was going on in the background of the episodes, and of course we see, we see Claire walk up on, on Charlie and Hurley and Sawyer as he's reading the car magazine, and she's just mesmerized the fact that 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 turnip head is like calm as could be. So one that other was, lo- that was good. Um, like I say, one other it, it I was a kind of interesting episode. part of that whole scene is just how. Claire was still is so afraid now that someone's going to take the baby. Um, obviously, she she's been kidnapped, so that was her big thing of why yeah. she didn't trust anybody to watch the baby. She's she's you know convinced that someone's going to try to kidnap the baby, and I don't know that may may be important in upcoming episodes. They don't take my baby. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Uh, my only other note was I thought it was funny or not. Yeah, kind of funny when when Locke approaches Shannon and he thinks this is a touching moment. Let me let me go to Shannon. I'll bring her a bag of Boone stuff, and that'll be helpful. And of course, he's wearing a shirt covered with Boone's blood. He doesn't think maybe one of these two things outweighs the other. Like obviously, 
your shirt covered in his blood is going to be more impactful than the bag of random stuff. This yeah. this whole episode oh, would have been better just, if he would have just changed his, his shirt you know, before the start of it. <laughs> I know it. Well, 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 well. You know, he he did. He changed his shirt right before he took Saeed to the beachcraft. But something else about that shirt: he was cleaning the shirt in the water that they drink out of. Yeah, this is Locke's favorite shirt. <laughs> and he was he was he was cleaning it out of the drinking water though that's actually a great point that is exactly where hurley was filling his water oh. bottles the, you know numbers episode right at that spot i think we're supposed oh, to be yeah. led to believe they have installed some sort of a water filtration system yeah that that water we never really system. fully get yeah michael really installed it we just don't see it I can't believe they don't have to boil all. Well, if it's a natural spring, you don't have to. If it's a natural spring like that, and it's running water, you don't have to because it flows directly down from from the mountain. It's pure water, anyways. So if you, but if it's if it is kind of like in a stream, you need to boil it. But if it's running down from a natural spring, um, it's pure water. Like I, I went, I went to camp for a few years as a teenager. And on this campgrounds, they had four waterfalls. Not not huge, but they had four waterfalls. Well, on one of the hikes toward there, they had a natural spring where water flowed down from the top of the mountain that you could refill your canteen with. Cause it was and it was ice cold. It was straight from the top of the mountain. Um, so it's pure water coming down. So that's what's what was going on here. Is that it was just pure water going down. So there was no there was no there was no bacteria or anything like that in there. It was just it was already moving down. So, a little extra boon blood in there. That's right, just a little extra boon blood. Ah, oh, <laughs> and a little jack blood because he had a lot of boon in him. Uh, <laughs> right. Oh, all right. Well, I, I thought um, it, it there there was it was it was one of those episodes. It's pretty straightforward. You can tell they're building to something. Um. And you could tell it's like they want to go to the finale, but they're holding off for one more episode before they really boom into it. So you could tell this is kind of like <laughs> the penultimate episode of the penultimate finale of the episode. So they're definitely setting it up. Yeah, they they really build steam here in this episode, charging towards the finale. But but overall, I thought it was a good episode. I thought it was. Um, it, it was. It's not one of my favorites, but I, I definitely tell they're building steam. It's one of those that kind of like the bridge, bridge building episodes you kind of have to have um, to really set the pieces into play. You needed you you need the pieces where Jack and Locke are mad at each other, where that rift is starting. You need the issue of because obviously you know they're going to make multiple exoduses in this you know in the finale. So you need some you, you you need the puzzle pieces in place. So those are kind of that's kind of my overall thoughts um, of the episode. What about um, what about you, uh, 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 Stephen? Um, I thought this was a really good episode. Um, really kind of intense backstory with uh, Saeed. Um, I thought that you know that was it was pretty revealing. A lot of exciting action on the island. Really enjoyed um, all the Saeed and Locke back and forth. Um, so yeah, all around, just thought it was a good, solid episode with one of the uh, great, greatest uh, 
eulogies ever delivered. <laughs> greatest eulogies. Oh my goodness. Oh, Corey, what do you got, man? What do you kind of? What do you think about this episode? Man, uh, thinking about that touching eulogy, to wipe tears away here. Uh, so I like this episode a lot. I think, in a non-insulting way, it can be forgettable. In that, there's a lot of times when people make these little trips out to the, the beach craft, and so it, it kind of gets lost in the jumble of episodes like that. But it's, it's a really good episode. I love the the Saeed and Locke dynamic, and I think the flashback is really unique and is really interesting. So, really good episode, and it does a really good job of building steam towards the finale. It doesn't have yeah an individual identity as much as some of the other episodes do but it does have solid story and it and it pushes the the season plot or a lot more than some of the other episodes all right well let's write this so i had one rating system but steven gave me a great idea for another one so we're going to rate this one out of 23 turnip heads so um I give this uh, myself 19 out of 23 turnip heads. Uh, Corey, what about you? So, so is this like somebody who has 23 kids, 23 infants, and they don't know how to don't know what to name any of them? They're all hey, hey, anything can happen on the island. <laughs> Do we don't know. <laughs> These are all the children that the others have stolen. They're yes, horrible. All tw- and they all just said, you're, you're turnip head number one, you're turnip head number two, you're turnip head number three. Oh. Actually, anything... Well, you know, they say... Uh, what? Anything can happen on the island other than having babies. So <laughs> That's true, pretty much. <laughs> that is true. Well, oh. you know, they say uh, great turnip heads think alike, so I'm going to go also 19 out of 23 turnip heads. All right, all right. And what about you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Steven, sir? Well, I, I'm in the ballpark. I'm just a little bit higher at 20 out of 23 turnip heads. Yeah. Thought right. it was a, again, we're, we're in a, a really good stretch of episodes here coming, at, coming towards the finale. Awesome. Awesome. So why don't you end us out here, Steven? What do we got? All right. We have uh, Sawyer's Name Dictionary. Just got a couple this one. We had a, he called Charlie Chucky. Um, we'll touch on that in Pop Culture Connections. And he also called Aaron Baby Huey. And uh, our freckle count, we are still stuck on five. Still um, stuck on five. Oh, so it'll, I, it'll pick up for sure in season two and three. <laughs> so. So, um, Pop Culture Connections, we had Itsy Bitsy Spider. Um, Charlie sings this popular nursery rhyme to Aaron. Um, it describes the adventures of a spider as it ascends, descends, and ascends the downspout or waterspout of a gutter system. Um, you know, whether that was the American or the British version that Charlie was singing. You know, I've, I've never heard that song described in such a scientific way. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I gotta the say, adventures I, of a spider. I've sang that song to my son many times, and I've never really thought about what what's going on in the song. <laughs> it makes it sound so deep. First, the oh spider my. ascends, and then it descends. It's really a story of trying to work your way up against 
current of life. <laughs> oh my. I'm gonna have to listen to that song tonight. Repeat. <laughs> no. Think about my life. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't want to listen to it again. <laughs> oh, what else we got here? Then we got I Got You, I Feel Good. Um, Hurley sings this hit song by James Brown to uh, Turnip Head. Released as a single in 1965, it is one of Brown's signature songs and arguably his most widely known recording. We've got the Iraqi Republican Guard. It is mentioned that Saeed was in the Republican Guard. The core of the Iraqi military, it was originally formed to be Hassam, Saddam Hussein's bodyguard corps, but it was expanded into a large military force. Hmm. Um, then, you know, Sawyer called uh, Turnip Head, called him Baby Huey when he was screaming at the beach. Um, he Baby Huey was a gigantic and naive infant duckling cartoon character from the early 1950s. Hmm. I actually remember that now. I mean, not, not the 1950s, but <laughs> but now I, I remember this character seeing it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> huh. All right, that's pretty interesting. And Sawyer also called Charlie Chucky. Um, that's from the movie Child's Play. Child's Play. Um, the main character of Chucky, also known as Charles Lee Ray, is the primary villain in this horror film series. See a small little scary doll that I'm sure everyone has seen at some point. Yeah, that terrified me as a child. I never even saw the movie. I just had a kid describe the movie to me, and it. No kid me. wants to ever hear a doll coming to life and chasing them. Yeah, it, it's horrible. <laughs> and then one last pop culture connection: we have Half Life. Um, at the apartment, Yusef is playing the PlayStation 2 version of this first-person shooter video game. In it, a mysterious and omnipotent figure watches over the main character without direct interaction until the very end. All right, well, um, that's been it for this episode um, as far as uh, uh, the greater good. But our next episode is Born to Run. Our 22nd episode, Born to Run. This is a Kate-centric episode. Um, I thought it was is, about uh, Bruce. Bruce Springsteen. No? Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> the boss. Oh, my goodness. Kate my does goodness. try to act like the boss this episode. I do <laughs> know that this is the first appearance of Dr. Arts uh, in the yeah. show. In this episode. So I do know we get some arts in this one. Great character. Uh, and- great character lasts so long in the show. I mean, just just blows up, you know, just blows up the screen. It's great. It's great. Oh, uh, but uh, it's a born to run episode, so it's a Kate episode. Um, but uh, but hey, listen, if you liked this episode, we want you to follow us on Twitter um, and let us know why you liked it. Uh, at RetroZapped uh, is the main network. At Lost Rewatch Pod is our Twitter. Um, I'm at the DC fanboy. Uh, Steve, where can they find you, man? I am at Lucky13Steve on Twitter. All right. And then the next one is uh, Corey. Where can people find you, man? You guys can find me on Twitter at Original Map. All right. And you can always find us in Discord as well. Join us in Discord. Talk about the show with us in our Discord channel. That would be um, awesome. Go to RetroZap.com for more details on that. 
along with articles, posts, podcasts, T Public Store, uh, whatever floats your fandom fancy. Um, is there anything else, gentlemen, before we head out? I don't think so. That's it for me. That's All it. All right. Well, uh, much like Kate, we are born to run, so we are out of this podcast, and uh, we'll see you next time here on Lost. So, peace out, everybody. All right. Peace out. Right. Take me to the hatch. <laughs>